don't very often talk fiction on I'd Rather Be Reading, but today I'm making a very notable exception. I am honored to have Francine Rivers, author of the classic work of fiction, Redeeming Love, on the show today. This is a very special week for Francine and for Redeeming Love. Redeeming Love, the movie, hits theaters on Friday nearly 31 years after the book's release in 1991. As a writer myself, though admittedly not a fiction writer, I can't imagine the thrill to see my characters on the big screen. I talked with Francine about that and so much more. Listen to what she had to say. In 1991, remarkably 31 years ago, Francine Rivers wrote what I believe to be the best work of fiction ever written, Redeeming Love. It's a love story for the ages, a retelling of the book of Hosea from the Bible set in the 1850s gold rush in California. Now on Friday, it's being released as a feature film, which I can't wait to see. I'm honored to have on the show today, the author of Redeeming Love, the immensely talented Francine Rivers. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be with you. So this is a big week for you. How does it feel to have Redeeming Love, the movie, hit theaters on Friday? Uh, kind of surreal. Um, we weren't, Rick and I weren't able to go to the premiere because uh, of the COVID regulations and all that, and they were scaling back a little bit. And it's a two-day drive for us to get down there. He has Parkinson's. So this Thursday, the 20th, it's going to be our first chance to see it on the big screen. So we're very excited. Yeah. I can't it's been a long wait. time coming. <laughs> no kidding, right? Because this book, I didn't, I don't know if I realized this because I discovered Redeeming Love probably about 2011, 2012. I remember the first time that I've read Redeeming Love probably about 10 times now, oh. and including over the weekend, just this a couple of days ago. And the first time I read it, I remember I was home and I was in graduate school and I was home in Kansas um, from Ole Miss and I read it cover to cover, which is about 450 pages. It's not a short book. I read it cover to cover. I was up all night reading it. I was up until about four o'clock in the morning. It was over Thanksgiving or Christmas. I can't remember which one. And I remember my mom woke up and she said, have you not been to bed? I said, no, I've been reading this book called Redeeming Love all night. And so Redeeming Love, the book, was your first book that centered around Christian themes. You've had many, yeah. many, many books written in this vein since then. So you became yeah. a born-again Christian in 1986. That was the year I was born, actually. And for three years, I read you had difficulty writing your next book because you'd written books before that, but not with a Christian theme. So you studied the Bible, and in 1991, Redeeming Love was released. So how did the Bible and more specifically the book of Hosea inspire this story? Well, for one thing, I don't, I didn't really stop writing because I wanted to, I think God just shut it off because yeah. I was in my late thirties when I became a Christian. And I, and I believe that God was just saying, you know, you don't even know me yet. You know, yeah. so I read the Bible and, and we started a home Bible study, which is still going on years later. Um, and it was really that I had grown up in the church, but you can be in the pews and not really, you have head knowledge, but not heart knowledge. Yeah, and there was sure. something about the book of Hosea, the prophet, you know, where God tells him, I want you to marry a prostitute. And it was, it's really an allegory about how much God loves us, you know, that we often define ourselves by our past. And that's not the way God defines us. He wants us to come to him with everything. And then he makes us new. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the book centers around Angel, who is a prostitute, and Michael Hosea, who's a farmer, whose love and patience for Angel is just remarkable. I think it's unconditional love personified and reflective, as you said, of God's love for us. And, you know, I, like I said, I read Redeeming Love for probably about the 10th time over the weekend. And when Michael first lays eyes on Angel and the Lord directs his attention to her, Michael says, Lord, this isn't exactly what I had in mind, which I love that line because how many times throughout our lives have we said words like that? So let's talk about Michael as a character for a moment. What went through your mind when you were creating his character? I I wanted him to be like Jesus. He had to rely fully on what the father was telling him to do and live it out. Um, and I, you know, Jesus was fully human, but he was also fully God too. So it's beyond our understanding, but to, to be a Christian man or a woman can play that part too. It can be the woman who has to, has to live out Christ in front of her husband. Um, but just to keep your focus on the Lord and always do what the Lord wants to do would be a very hard. He has a battle. That's the one thing about a movie. You know, you, you can only show so much on the screen where the book you get inside their heads and you can hear their thoughts and you know what the spiritual battle is going on around them. Yeah. That was really a challenge to get into the film, but it, it is there. Um, not to the extent it is in the novel, but yeah, it's very in difficult. the novel. It's like because the way you do it in the novel for those that haven't read it, which if you haven't, please do please read this book immediately is you have it in, in uh, bold is like yeah, the devil yeah. and then bold italicized is God. And yeah, so yeah. sometimes it's literally like a, you know, angel devil on your shoulder uh, speaking to Michael and, and kind of, you know, God encouraging him to keep the faith and the devil encouraging him and angel for that matter to, to do the wrong thing. And, you know, then there's Angel. She's a character that resonates with so many of us, including myself. Maybe we haven't been prostitutes. I mean, I certainly haven't been a prostitute, but I'd venture to say all of us have some degree of shame or unworthiness or not being good enough in our lives, which are all emotions that Angel feels about Michael and his love. And so, you know, on the flip side, tell me what went through your mind when you were creating her character. Well, there were a couple of things because when I first read Hosea, I identified with Angel because over my lifetime, I always turned to other things. You know, whenever there would be a trial or something, you tend to turn to, you know, your friends. What do your friends have to say about it? What do the how to solve the problem say about it? But never going to God. And God really knows us intimately and he can help us walk through problems and instruct us. So that was part of it. But I also had read an article in a women's magazine and there were pictures of a little girl who had disappeared. And the first picture was of her as, you know, like a school class picture, beautiful little eight-year-old blonde girl. And then they confiscated a pornographic film and there she was again looking terrified. Mm. And then a few years later, they found another film uh, and she's probably 10 to 12 years old and, and her expression was totally different. Her eyes were dead and she had sort of a sultry look on her face. And I thought, that's the little girl I'm writing for. That's my Sarah who becomes angel and wherever she is, you know, that's the person I want to know that God loves you. No matter what you've been through, no matter what's been done to you or what you've had to do to survive, God loves you and he has a plan for you. And your past does not have to define you. You know, God makes us new in him. So there were there were a number of things, but I, you know, there again, I did not know the connection between 
the story in sex trafficking. That came really from letters from uh, readers who, who were using the book in ministry or they were survivors talking about the impact the story had on them. Wow, I never, I never thought about that. T- tell me a little bit more about that, how they're using that in ministry. Well, they, um, they used it and I heard from people that were doing marriage counseling to uh, work with couples. And then I, I was invited to the International Conference on Prostitution. And I thought, well, why? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Talk right. Why would they want me? And they said, you have no idea how this book is being used in ministries. It's like a first contact with people who are survivors to show them wow. how the Lord loves them. And then what we one thing that's come out of the movie that I'm really excited about is uh, we have the Redeeming Love Sanctuary Foundation has been formed and we're uh, going to come alongside, uh, I'm trying to think, 501c3 uh, groups that are on the front lines and they're successful in working with survivors and we're giving grants. We did four grants in 2021, but this was something that came out between Holly Caruso, who's the wife of DJ Caruso, the director of the movie. She and I talked about all this and Rick and I have given the money from the book since the beginning to charity because we always felt that was our first fruits as a Christian writer. And, but we wanted to focus in with Redeeming Love, the movie on survivors. And then Holly, um, she founded this, this foundation and I'm on the board of trustees. So that's what our goal is, is to continue and give grants to people that are actually working with survivors from the proceeds of the movie, whatever I make off the movie. Wow, Francine, that's amazing. And you know, I mean, of course that makes total sense. If you read the book, that that makes total sense. But how many, I mean, I have never, thank God, have never been in sex trafficking or prostitution and it has, it touched me so, the book did. And I mean, imagine someone who's been through that, reading that and, and, and knowing that, you know, there's, there's life beyond your past. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Michael and Angel's love story is the literal opposite of a linear path. She leaves him multiple times to return to paradise, uh, spelled P-A-I-R-A-D-I-C-E, not paradise, like, you know, what we think of as paradise, um, devastating him and leaving him heartbroken. He attempts to love her unconditionally, but she rejects him time and time again. Am I right in interpreting Michael's love to be a lot like God's love, where God offers an unconditional love to us, but we often feel that we're not worthy and we reject him? Absolutely. And, you know, how many times have we turned away, you know, over our lifetime? I can think of, you know, numerous times that I've turned away and tried to fix things on my own. You know, we try to be our own God. It's, it's the same as in the Garden of Eden. You know, I can, I can do this. I want to be my own God and run my own life. And when we do, we make a complete mess of it. So that very definitely is, is a message in there. You know, turn to the Lord and trust in him. Well, you write in the back of the book that writing Redeeming Love was a form of worship for you and that none of it was yours to claim. I've read that you consider Redeeming Love to be your statement of faith. Will you tell me yeah. about that? Well, I wrote uh, in the general market for a number of years, steamy historical romances. So when I wrote Redeeming Love, I wanted it in the same time period in location, California history, 1840s to 1880s was what I had focused on. I, because I wanted to uh, have the readers who had followed my career in the general market to see the difference 
Uh, and I'd get letters, you know, like, oh, I wish I could meet a, a Michael Jose. And I could say, you can. His name is Jesus. The story mm -hmm. is about Christ's love for us. So it was really the, the dividing line because after I consider all the other books, which are out of print, I have the rights back. They won't be reprinted. But those are my BC books. But here's the difference. You know, here's what I thought love was. This is what the real thing looks like. And that was Redeeming Love. And then from then on, I really, um, I had a lot of questions, you know, coming to faith later in my, in my life, I had a lot of issues and, and things to think about. So I, and I thought Redeeming Love was going to be the only thing I wrote. But then I started wondering, well, how do I share my faith with unsafe family and friends who don't want to hear about Jesus and they don't want to read the Bible? And that was the start of A Voice in the Wind. So the books after that came from questions in my own faith walk and um, using the different characters to kind of play out the different responses, different answers in one struggling Christian who is trying to seek God's perspective. So I, my writing is really a, a, an excuse to come before the Lord and ask him, what's your perspective about all this? How do I live to please you? How powerful, because I'm a writer as well. I'm a podcaster also, but, you know, that is so powerful to think of God using you as a vessel for, for this work. I mean, this, you know, and then of course, Redeeming Love is, is a worldwide success as a book. Um, maybe one of the most popular Christian fictions, if not the most popular work of Christian fiction of all time. So talking about the film for a moment, you executive produced and you wrote the script for the film adaptation, which as we said, will be released Friday. How did it feel to see your characters come to life on the screen after 30 years on the page? Oh, it was pretty incredible. And I, I, actually, I actually wrote the, um, the script as an example, not expecting that they would use it because I, we had done options before, but they never understood Michael. They never could get the character uh, really in there. So I was surprised that they accepted the script, but when, when DJ Caruso came on board, I'd written the script as a linear story. And I think it would have been really hard for people to come in and watch the whole backstory of, of Sarah um, being sold into prostitution at the age of eight. You know, you wouldn't wanna sit there in the beginning of the movie and see all that. So DJ really came in and he restructured the film and then we worked together on scenes to strengthen them so that you could get the idea that God was speaking to Michael and Angel was hearing lies about her life, you know, and what she could be. Um, so that was really, it was really fun. And then DJ added a few things in there that aren't in the book that, were, that gave lighter, a lighter touch to a very heavy story in many ways. So we, I feel like it was a collaboration when we got to the actual production script. And then the actors, we were, I was actually able to uh, be in on the auditions. And when we saw Abigail Cohen, she just personified Angel. She, she had read the book. She wrote an essay to DJ because she wanted this role so much. Oh, wow. And then, uh, you know, she was, she's a very talented actress. Michael was much harder to find because it had to be an actor who could pull off purity you know, and waiting and that kind of thing. And so DJ actually discovered Tom Lewis. He's a British actor and he's been classically trained and he just has a way of showing the different nuances of emotion. So it was, it's, I can't wait to see it on the big screen. I've seen it on a computer. And I what did not, you think? I, did you love it? I did. I did. Yeah. I, and there's one scene in there that 
every time I've seen it, it's given me goosebumps. And it's the one where she goes up on the stage toward the end. And I'm hoping that everybody that walks in that theater and sees that um, has the same feeling I did. And that when they walk out, they have hope and they know how much God loves them. That's the whole goal of the movie is to glorify God. I love it. Was, was making a film adaptation of the book something you always hoped to do? Uh, it wasn't on my radar, but early on, people were saying, this should be a movie, this should be a movie. But I knew too, you have to be so careful in who's going to make the movie to make sure the message is the right message, because God is at the very heart of the story. And it could have been turned into something else, could be just a Western romance, and then it would right. really have a meaning. It had to be faith-centered and, and Jesus-centered. And, and DJ Caruso pulled that off, I'm sure. He did very well. Yeah, the quality of this film is extraordinary, I think. Well, my last question for you is, what do you hope readers get out of reading Redeeming Love and also viewers get out of seeing Redeeming Love on the big screen later this week? I am hoping they walk out feeling, uh, well, those who don't know when they go in, I want them to know there is a God and he loves them and he has a plan for them. And the worst things in your life that you've experienced, God can turn for good purpose because there's good purpose in angel's life at the end. Mm -hmm. So that's Absolutely. my hope. It's it, Hopefully it's, I want it to be a movie of hope and new beginnings. Well, congratulations. This is, I mean, this is 31 years in the making, yeah. 1991. <laughs> I really didn't realize the book had been out that long, but um, congratulations. Thank you for this book and for this film. I, I know that it is going to be magical. I can't wait to see it. It has brought me the book and I'm sure countless others closer to God. So thank you for being here today. Thank you. My pleasure. Redeeming Love, the book is out now and you have a few days to grab a copy and inhale it just as I did before Redeeming Love, the movie hits theaters this Friday. Go out and see it. It's one of my favorite works of fiction of all time. We'll be back soon with more books I can't get enough of. Thank you.